Welcome to episode number 56 of Sean's Sports Show. Today we are coming at you live from the usual Los Angeles, California. And we're going to be covering the breaking news in sports, um, the results and matchups of the Los Angeles sports teams, and finally the results of the NHL playoffs. So the first thing we're going to be talking about has to do with um, NFL football. As college football continues to make the game safer by tweaking kickoff rules, the NFL may follow suit. Per NFL.com's Judy Batista, NFL Executive Vice President of Football Operations Troy Vincent recently revealed that while the league will not eliminate kickoffs in 2018, it will consider modifying the rules. Last month, the NCAA approved a new rule that would allow players to signal for fair catches anywhere inside the 25-yard line and have it result in touchbacks. Back in 2012, college football moved a look to encourage uh, touchbacks by moving kickoffs uh, from the 30-yard line to the 35 and also placed touchbacks at the 25-yard line rather than the 20. The NFL had moved kickoffs up five yards in 2011 and reported a 43% decline in concussions on kickoffs the following season. Quote, most concussions are happening somewhere else, but kickoffs was the one that they felt. I presume that it was pretty easy to target. Edgeworth Economics Senior Vice President Jesse David told the Associated Press in 2012, and it looks like the rule did what it was supposed to do. As more rules are put in place to try to limit full-speed collisions on kickoffs, there's been speculation that it is only a matter of time before kickoffs are eliminated from football completely. The NFL has already taken the play out of the Pro Bowl. Uh, For those of you that don't know, the Pro Bowl is the all-star game in the NFL. Uh, Back at the NFL owners meeting in March, the league's medical department via ESPN's Kevin Seifert provided research that showed concussions are five times more likely to occur on kickoffs than on any other play in football. That has Green Bay Packers president Mark Murphy looking for a change in order to protect the players. Quote, if you don't make changes to make it safer, we're going to uh, we're going to do away with it. Murphy said, per Seifert, it's that serious. It's by far the most dangerous play in the game. Vincent doesn't believe kickoffs will be eliminated by next season, but fans should be on the lookout for rule changes as the league emphasizes player safety. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And uh, I think that they should get rid of kickoffs because they're not they're not a very essential play in my opinion. Uh, so now switching gears to the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers star Ben Simmons downplayed the impact of chance by Boston Celtics fans, which quest- which questioned his rookie status in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals at TD Garden on a Monday night. The fans, um, you know, they were they were chanting, uh, they were chanting, quote, not a rookie in the second half of the 76ers 117-101 loss, and Chris Forsberg of ESPN.com provided comments from the NBA Rookie of the Year frontrunner who missed his expected de- debut campaign in 2016-17 because of a foot injury. Quote, I don't care, Simmons said. It doesn't affect me at all. Boston also features one of the NBA's top rookies, Jason Tatum, who told Forsberg, Forsberg he didn't hear uh, the Simmons chance or the, quote, he's a rookie, ones directed at himself. Quote, at this point, I'm just focused on winning, not really matchups, Tatum said. Just win is really a team thing right now. Simmons remains eligible for Rookie of the Year honors despite being the first overall pick in the 2016 draft since he didn't play last season. Tatum and Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz are among the other top can- contenders or candidates for the award. Uh, Simmons finished Game 1 with 18 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists, but he also turned over the ball uh, 7 times and picked up 4 fouls. The Sixers need their 6-10 point guard to limit his mistakes in Thursday's Game 2 in Boston if they want to level the series before returning home to the Wells Fargo Center where he'll see a more friendly crowd starting on Saturday. So uh, uh, I think, personally, I don't think that his he gets really affected per se by the chance, but I think he hears them and I think they play a little bit of a role, even if it's a minimal one. So now uh, covering another story in the NBA. 
and uh, I'll, I'll be covering the result of this game later on in the episode, but it's, it's worth bringing this up. Uh, Steph Curry is back. The Golden State Warriors superstar point guard has been cleared to return to action in Tuesday's Game 2 against the New Orleans Pelicans, according to Chris Haynes of ESPN. Shems Cherney of Yahoo Sports reported Curry will come off the bench with Andre Iguodala starting in his place. It will be his first action uh, since March 8th when he suffered a grade 2 MCL sprain. In his absence, the Warriors have gone only 12-11, though they are 5-1 in the postseason. Curry's return for Game 2 was expected. He told, reporters after, he told reporters after Game 1 that he felt like he could have made his return on Saturday evening. He said, quote, if it were up to me, I would have played for about 20 minutes tonight. He said, per Haynes, the plan is to return Tuesday, but ultimately it's up to the training ha- training staff. I feel good. The Warriors won game one against the dangerous Pelicans team easily, 123 to 101, and the return of Curry will make them, you know, scarier. Curry, who's 30 years old, averaged 26.4 points, 6.1 assists, and 5.1 re- rebounds per game, while shooting 42.3% from the three. While players like Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson held down the offense in Curry's absence, the veteran point guard remains the team's offensive keystone. Um, the Warriors were already the favorites to repeat as NBA champions and claim their third title in four years, and they return. Uh, and the return of Curry should solidify that belief. While the Pelicans are no slouch, and, and the Houston Rockets likely await after that, and while Curry will have to battle through rust upon his return, the Warriors are back to full strength, and that is bad news for the rest of the teams in the playoffs. So. That's that. It's good. It's good that he's healthy and he's gonna play again, or that he's already played since I'm recording this at eleven fourteen p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so LeBron James acknowledged he was he was a bit worn out after the Cleveland Cavaliers eliminated eliminated the Indiana Pacers in Game Seven on Sunday, but he insisted it wouldn't carry over to the Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Toronto Raptors. "Quote: I'll be all right," James said Tuesday per Dave McManaman at VSPN.com. "I'll be fine." James averaged 41.1 minutes per game against the Pacers, but he wasn't worried about the workload. Quote, it wasn't an issue, James said. It's what I had to do to help us get to the second round, and we're worried about the second round now that we're here. However, James ended his press conference after the Game 7 win by acknowledging his exhaustion. He said, quote, I'm burnt right now. He said, per Matt Eppers of USA Today, I'm not thinking about Toronto right now until tomorrow. I'm ready to go home. Can we? I'm tired. I want to go home. Cavaliers head coach Tyron Lue did, did note on Tuesday, though, that the team has to monitor his workload. He said, quote, just got to be smart about the situation. He said, I know he wants to play and play a lot, but we, we've got to be smart because we play every other day, so there's not a lot of time really to recover. He looks tired just after the game, but not during the game, Lou added. I think his mental toughness, just being mentally prepared, not giving into fatigue, is a big part of who he is. James, 33 years old, was nothing short of brilliant against the Pacers, averaging 34.4 points, 10.1 rebounds, 7.7 assists, 1.4 steals and one block a game. He shot he shot 55.3% from the field and 35.3 from beyond the arc. He scored 44 or more points in three games, including the heroic 45 points in Game 7. He also posted a triple-double in Game 1, 24 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds, and a double-double in the, five game, in the first five games of the series. Um, and he may need to carry even harder against the Toronto Raptors team that went 59-23 during the season and earned the top seed in the playoffs. The Cavs won the season series, uh, one at one and two, um, but but the playoffs are an all new beast, and Demar Derozan and the Raptors surely haven't forgotten about their past playoff exits at the hands of LeBron and the Cavaliers. Uh, but James remained focused on the accomplishments of his team. It's about what we did, he said, just trying to help us advance. I had a lot of things that I had to do to try to help to try to help our team win, and I was satisfied with the fact that I was able to go out and make plays to help our team succeed and move on to the next round, and that's the most important thing. So it's um. It's just crazy how, how how the way LeBron is playing and um you know 
personally, I want the Cavs to lose sooner rather than later because I want LeBron to come to the Lakers. I know, a man can dream. But anyway, um, covering something else in the NBA here. The New York Knicks reportedly hope to hire a new head coach this week following their final interview with Golden State Warriors assistant Mike Brown, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Former Atlanta Hawks head coach Mike Budenholzer, former Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale, and former Cleveland Cavaliers head coach David Blatt are reportedly considered to be among the top candidates to fill the opening. Other candidates the Knicks have interviewed include former Golden State Warriors head coach and Knicks guard Mark Jackson, former Knicks head coach and current Los Angeles Clippers assistant Mike Woodson, Miami Heat assistant Juwan Howard, San Antonio Spurs assistant James Borrego, Boston Celtics assistant Jay Laranaga, uh, Raptors 905 G League head coach Jerry Stackhouse, and television analyst Kenny the Jet Smith. New York fired Jeff Hornacek at the conclusion of this season after he went just 60 and 104 in two seasons. Brown, whom the Knicks met with last, has a strong resume that um, will, you know, that will help his candidacy out. He won 305 and 187 in six seasons as the Cleveland Cavaliers head coach and led them to the 2007 NBA Finals. He also spent parts of two seasons as the Los Angeles Lakers head coach, and he successfully filled in for Steve Kerr as the Warriors interim head coach during last season's playoffs. The new head coach, chosen by President Steve Mills and general manager Scott Perry, will look to lead the Knicks to the playoffs for the first time since the 2012-13 season. So this is obviously, you know, very important for for the Knicks to make the right decision, just like it was for the Cleveland Browns to make the right decision in the draft, which they failed to do. Um, but I don't think it's as important for the Knicks to find uh, the right head coach at this time. But it's pretty important, and uh, I think uh, I would go if I was the Knicks, I'd go with either David Fisdale or Mike Brown personally. So uh, now another story in the NBA. Uh, as the San Antonio Spurs attempt to salvage their relationship with Kawhi Leonard, there is reportedly belief within the organization that the Stars camp is aiming to get him uh, more into the national spotlight. Per ESPN's Ramona Shelburne and Michael C. Wright, multiple league sources revealed San Antonio believe Leonard's group wants him to play in a bigger market such as Los Angeles, New York, or Philadelphia. That could lead to a trade demand as Leonard enters the final year of his contract. A quadriceps injury lim- limited Leonard to just nine, se- nine games this season, and the, and the Golden State Warriors eliminated the Spurs in five games in the opening round of the 2018 NBA playoffs. Uh, Leonard missed the first 27 games of the season due to the injury and uh, was eased back into action when he returned. However, after just nine games, over a 17-game stretch, he did not play again after January 13th. He averaged 16.2 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 2.3 assists per game this season. The injury in, uh, lingered over the team the rest of the season. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Wright reported the seventh-year forward had been, quote, distant and, and, quote, disconnected from San Antonio. Following that, ESPN's Jalen Rose reported, Leonard, reported that Leonard wanted a trade. Wright noted last week that, quote, an all-hands-on-deck summer meeting with Leonard is a priority for the Spurs this offseason. As a $200 million-plus max contract offer could soon loom, the organization wants to see if the two sides can work things out or if the relationship is beyond repair. Among Leonard's complaints in San Antonio for the New York Daily News is Frank Isola is that he wants Greg Popovich to, quote, lighten up a little with practice and tweak some things. Uh, so it's obviously very important for the, for the Spurs to keep Kawhi, but from what, from, from what it looks like, he doesn't really want to play there. And I, I can't say that I can't blame him, but, you know, he has the leverage and he has the star power and the skills to, to you know, basically control where he plays regardless of his contract. Um, I mean, the Spurs can always ignore his ignore his uh, you know trade demand, but that's not going to do them any good. Having a, a, a Kawhi Leonard that's even more unhappy than he already is, you know. 
Um, so now switching gears to the NFL. The New England Patriots reportedly considered acquiring the number two overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft had the Cleveland Browns not selected Oklahoma quarterback Ma- Baker Mayfield with the first pick. According to Andrew Brandt of the MMQB, Mayfield's agent Jack Mills said, quote, We knew that the New York Jets at number three was the bottom line. We had another team that said you may get a big surprise on draft day at number two if he's available, and that team was the Patriots. Cleveland nabbed Mayfield with the number two overall pick, while the New York Giants stayed at number two and took Penn State running back Saquon Barkley. The MMQB's Albert Breer and Robert Klemko added that the Pats were denied a meeting with Mayfield until after they acquired the number 23 overall pick as part of a trade that sent uh, wide receiver Brandon Cooks to the Los Angeles Rams. New England entered the draft owning selections number 23 and 31, but he likely would have needed to, go, to offer much more to get the number 2 overall pick, including, including, their, next, including their first round pick next year. On Monday, Patriot quarterback Tom Brady officially committed to play in 2018. Brady was the NFL MVP last season and turned in a dominant performance in New England's Super Bowl 52 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles with 505 passing yards um, and three touchdowns, but he will be 41 years old by the time the 2018 season begins. New England's primary backup is veteran journeyman Brian Hoyer, although New England drafted LSU quarterback Danny Etling in the seventh round. With their uh, pair of first-round selections, the Pats took Georgia offensive lineman Isaiah Wynn and Georgia running back Sonny Mitchell. Or Mitchell. Um, so uh, this is pretty big, and um, I don't know. I honestly don't know what to say other than I think New England you know, got lucky that Cleveland took him at number one. I don't think Baker Mayfield would be a good fit in New England. Um, New England would be a bad team for a long time with Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. And um, the Browns made a mistake as well, in my opinion. I know. I, I think Baker would be a good fit for the Jets, but not for the Browns or the Patriots. So now I'm uh, covering some European soccer real quick. Real Madrid booked their spot in the, in the UEFA Champions League final on Tuesday. After a 2-2 draw with Bayern Munich, Karim Benzema scored both goals for the defending champions who had won the first fixture 2-1 in Munich, Germany. Joshua Kimmich gave the visitors an early lead before Benzema's strike twice and James Rodriguez's equalizer set up a thrilling finale. Kaylor Navas, Real's goalkeeper, made several key saves. Real Madrid have not qualified for three finals in a row, a feat no club has achieved since the tournament, since the tournament has changed to its current format. Liverpool and AS Roma will meet in Wednesday's semi-final with Liverpool scoring a 5-2 first leg advantage. So Real Madrid is just on another on another level, but it's interesting that uh, Barcelona won the Spanish league and now Real Madrid considering how good Real Madrid has been in European competition. So now uh, switching gears back to the NFL. Uh, Saquon Barkley has been hailed as one of the best running back prospects in years and he's now the odds-on favorite to win the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year award per odds chart. The number two pick in the 2018 NFL Draft is expected to make an immediate impact with the Giants, uh, considered plus 150, to win the award as the top rookie in the class. Baker Mayfield has the second-highest odds at plus, 70, at plus 275 after being the first overall pick by the Browns. So Saquon at plus 150 means that if you bet $100, you'll make $150 um, if he wins Rookie of the Year. So the other... Uh, the other candidates are Josh Allen at plus 800, Josh Rosen at plus 1,000, Rashad Penny at plus 1,400, Darius Geese at plus 1,800, Lamar Jackson at plus 2,000, Sam Darnold at plus 2,000, Ronald Jones II at plus 3,000, Sonny uh, Mitchell at plus 3,000, DJ Moore at plus 3,300, and Calvin Ridley at 4,000, plus 4,000. There's a sizable gap between the top two options and the rest of the class, 
mostly based on expectations of playing time. As the top pick, Mayfield has a chance to get on the field quickly for the Browns, even with Tyra Taylor currently holding the top spot on the depth chart. Meanwhile, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen might all need some time before earning starts. Lamar Jackson might have to play backup an entire year behind Joe Flacco with the Ravens. Meanwhile, the players at uh, other skill positions um, could have to uh, share a role uh, with veteran players and might not be featured parts of the offense. Conversely, Barkley is likely to start right away over the Giants' mixture of Wayne Gallman and Jonathan Stewart. He has shown he can be a three-down player who helps in both the run and passing attacks and will likely get plenty of carries right away. He's also extremely talented, ranked number one overall in the class by, by Bleacher Report's Matt Miller. With that said, the, the last two Offensive Rookie of the Year winners were afterthoughts following the draft, as Dak Prescott, a fourth-round pick, and Alvin Kamara, a third-round pick, virtually came out of nowhere to star for their respective teams. It's likely the next winner of the award isn't even on this list. It could be, you know. But I think that Saquon will win it, Saquon Barkley. So now uh, switching gears back to the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers head coach Brett Brown told reporters Tuesday, it, quote, shouldn't shock anybody that number one overall pick Markel Fultz didn't play in Monday's 16-point game on loss to the Boston Celtics at TD Garden. Quote, there are times where you for sure think about playing Fultz, Brown said according to ESPN.com's Ian Begley, but I got a decision to make and I've made a decision. That doesn't mean it's etched in stone. It's always something that you review and think about, and the care for Markel Fultz in his future is always on my mind. Given the way round one shook out, Brown has, point, has, uh, has a point regarding the shock, fact, the shock factor. Uh, the 19-year-old the played 14 minutes in Philadelphia's Game 1 Eastern Conference quarterfinal win over the Miami Heat on April 14th, but he saw just 5 minutes in Game 2 and 4 in Game 3 before locking DNPs in the series' final two games. In his place, Brown went with TJ McConnell as the primary backup behind Ben Simmons in 8 minutes per game uh, during Round 1. McConnell averaged 3 points, 1.8 rebounds, and 1 assist a game. Quote, I decided to do it because there's a continuation of growth of the whole year with McConnell, Brown said. There's a little bit of physic, uh, physicality element that we felt with Miami, the games that contributed to the with the games that contributed to the decision. TJ grabbed the spot and walked it down. We won a series, but it's it's not anything that I'm not open to always reviewing. I'll do whatever it takes to help uh, Fultz help us. Us being the key word. Brown added that Fultz, who missed 68 games because of shoulder issues, is not quote dead and buried moving forward. Game two between the Sixers and Celtics will tip off at 8:30 p.m. Eastern time, 5:30 p.m. Pacific on Thursday night. So it should be interesting to see how this plays out. That's all I have to say. But I think they should play him. So now uh, covering Kawhi Leonard again. He's reportedly returned to Texas. According to ESPN.com's Chris Haynes, Leonard is back in San Antonio along with his advisor after spending approximately six weeks in New York rehabbing his quad injury and consulting with doctors. Haynes added there is currently no scheduled uh, date for Leonard and the Spurs to meet. Uh, Haynes uh, added uh, that there is... Uh, uh, he, he added that there's currently no scheduled date for Leonard and the Spurs to meet. Haynes' Haines report comes on the same day uh, that ESPN.com's Ramona Shelburne and Michael C. Wright um, penned an extensive breakdown of how Leonard's relationship with the Spurs um, of how Leonard's relationship with the Spurs uh, excuse me, some technical difficulties here. Of, of how his relationship with the Spurs frayed during a season in which he appeared in only nine games because of his uh, because of his uh, quad injury. Citing sources, those um, those two reported the Spurs 
Frustration stems from losing control of the medical care of their franchise player and the and uh, the way in which the um, in, in which the entire uh, process has been handled by Leonard's representation. You know, the, the Spurs are obviously upset, and um, I think they have a right to be upset personally. I mean, Kawhi can be Kawhi can be unhappy, but I mean, the the fact of the matter is that Kawhi is under contract with the Spurs, and his job is to play basketball for for the San Antonio Spurs of the National Basketball Association. And quite frankly, I think he's acting a little bit like a overdramatic spoiled child personally, just because of the fact that you know he doesn't like something, he doesn't like how the Spurs handled his injury or whatever it may be. I mean, he's getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball for crying out loud. I I just I just don't understand. I mean, I, you can be unhappy. I don't understand why he doesn't just. Sit. Popovich seems like a guy that understands his players and. He's a, he's obviously an amazing coach, so I, I just don't get, I just don't get why Kawhi can't just sit down with him, and talk with him about it. So it's also worth noting that in turn, uh, Ramona Shelburne and Michael C. Wright wrote that the Spurs have grown grown worried, as I said, that he might be traded. It's unclear when the two sides will formally meet again, but Wright reported April 25th that a sit down with Leonard is high on the priority list for the Spurs as they enter an off season filled with questions. Just it's gonna it's crazy this whole situation. I don't understand what's happening, and um, I hope that it it works out. Uh, so now covering a, a playoff result here, the Toronto Raptors are the top seed in the Eastern Conference, but they have a LeBron side, a LeBron James size uh, thorn in their side when it comes to the postseason. That was the case once again on Tuesday as James and the Cleveland Cavaliers stole home court advantage with a dramatic 113-112 overtime victory in Game 1 of their second-round playoff series at Air Canada Centre. The Cavaliers eliminated the Raptors in each of the last two postseasons, and they took the first step forward to- the first step toward extending the streak to three on Tuesday, uh, despite not leading at any point in regulation. James led the way with a triple-double of 26 points, 13 assists, and 11 rebounds, overcoming a 1-of-8 performance from deep and a 1-of-6 night from the free-throw line by attacking the lane and scoring the final four points of regulation to force the overtime. It's hard to classify Tuesday's loss as anything but a complete letdown for a Raptors team that has struggled with postseason demons in recent years. ESPN's Stats and Info noted the Cavaliers made history by coming away with a win in, uh, in a game Toronto largely controlled. Uh, ESPN Stats and Info noted that this is the first game of LeBron James's playoff career where he uh, he got the win despite never leading during regulation. The Cavaliers are the second team in the last 20 postseasons to win a game despite never leading in regulations. Um, the Dallas Mavericks uh, did the same thing at the Oklahoma City Thunder on May 23rd, 2011, seven years ago. So this is just insane. Um, just This just speaks to the volume of LeBron's greatness, in my opinion. I'm not even a big LeBron fan, but the fact that he can... That he just continues to do things like this is just amazing. And, and, but credit to the rest of the Cavs team as well. Uh, the Raptors still had an opportunity to win at the end of regulation and overtime, but Fred Van Vliet missed three pointers on each possessions, in each pos- you know, e- on each occasion. Jonas Valanciunas also missed a point blank tip in the final seconds of regulation that would have won the game, considering James missed it, his attempt at the, at the buzzer on the other end. But at the same time, you never know. Maybe if Valanciunas would have made his tip in, LeBron could have made his buzzer beater shot at the end of regulation. Who knows? Toronto's final made field goal of regulation came with four minutes and 19 seconds remaining, and it carried that put putrid offense performance 
future offensive performance over into the start of overtime. The Raptors fell behind by six before taking, making a late charge. Tuesday will go down as a missed opportunity for the Raptors because James didn't explode for one of his typical 40-plus point performances. Instead, uh, Olga Nubi and Pascal Siskem kept him in a relative check in the early going by pressing up on him to take away his airspace. Van Vliet also got in on the action when the, he stared down the four-time MVP after the Cavaliers' star shoved him away following a small scuffle. Van Vliet appeared to be sending a message that the Raptors won't back down again this year, but that fight disappeared when James took over at the end of regulation and Cleveland prevailed in overtime. It was a gutsy performance for, for the 15-year veteran after he averaged 14.1 minutes per night in the first round against the Indiana Pacers, as I noted earlier as well. Um, while he went to the bench in the first quarter and settled for jumpers at, at, at times, James still shined with the game hanging in the balance. He also received critical help from members of his supporting cast, which will, ne which will be necessary to advance past the East top seed. Uh, J.R. Smith dropped 20, 20 points and shot 5 of 6 from deep, and Kyle Korver dropped 19 himself and shot 5 of 12 from deep, and they each took advantage of openings when Toronto defenders collapsed on James, while Jeff Green provided an offensive spark off the bench with 16 points. Tristan Thompson notched a second straight double-double with 14 points and 12 rebounds and helped to battle Valanciunas after the Raptors' big man started off hot. The balanced attack elsewhere made up for Kevin Love's disappearances as the Cavs' other all-star had just 7 points on 3 of 13 shooting. Uh, that Valanciunas missed a number of bunnies down the stretch, cancelled out his earlier efforts when he dominated the Cleveland frontcourt and propelled the Raptors to a double-digit lead. He, DeMar DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry spearheaded the quick start and aggressively attacked a Cavaliers team that struggled on defense throughout the season. It appeared as though the Raptors would run away with Game 1 when DeRozan started off by attacking the basket with the bounce and as a cutter, which created a number of looks in the lane. Um, Kyle Lowry also stretched the floor with his outside shooting, and took advantage of subsequent openings when the defense pushed up by either probing off the dribble or hitting teammates in space. The formula, along with timely bench contributions from Van Vliet and Siakam, set the tone for much of the game until the cold streak to the to end regulation. In all, Valanciunas finished with 21 points and 21 rebounds, while DeRozan dropped 22 points, and Lowry had 18 points and 10 assists himself. Toronto will have the opportunity to build some momentum on its home floor during Thursday's Game 2, but another loss and a 2-0 hole against James will likely spell the end for the East top seed. I just personally, uh, I can't believe that the Raptors lost this game. I was watching this game live. I thought for sure the Raptors had it in the bag. They were playing in home, at home. You know, they, they, they had a big lead. And somehow the, the Cavs didn't lead a single time in the first four quarters of the game, but they ended up winning in overtime. Just respect to them for their resiliency, but just insane that the Raptors choke like this year after year. So now uh, covering another story that has to do with this game. Uh, LeBron James notched the triple-double with 26 points, 13 assists, and 11 rebounds in his team's one-point win over the Toronto Raptors in, in Game 1 of their series. But he was not impressed with his own play. According to Sam Amico of Amico Hoops, James called the performance, quote, one of, my worst, one of my worst games of the season. It wasn't all great for James as he was a mere 12 of 30 from the field, 1 of 8 from 3, and 1 of 6 from the free throw line. He was just 3 of 15 during the fourth quarter in overtime, although he did hit two critical shots to force the additional time at the end of regulation. The four-time MVP figures to shoot much better moving forward, which, does, which is not going to go well for the Raptors' chances of advancing. Toronto misses a golden opportunity to win a contest on its own floor with James struggling from the field, especially since they never trailed until overtime. Instead, the Cavaliers somehow managed to steal home court advantage without James finding a rhythm and Toronto con controlling the majority of the game. They are now three wins away from eliminating the Raptors in the postseason for the third straight year. So it's crazy how LeBron has an off day and the Cavs win on the road in Toronto um, when ne never leading in the, in the 
in regulation. It's just, I already said it, but it's just insane. And now LeBron's, who are you guys kidding? LeBron is not going to have another off day like this in game two. He's going to be coming back full force to try to give the Cavs a 2-0 lead going back to Cleveland. Just, just you know, this was a huge loss for Toronto, even though it was game one of the series. Uh, so now switching gears to the other playoff result in the NBA, uh, the Golden State Warriors. Tempers ran hot on Tuesday night at Oracle Arena, and so did Stephen Curry's jump shot. Uh, in the first appearance since he suffered a grade 2 MCL sprain on March 23rd, Curry came off the bench to score 28 points and propel the Golden State Warriors to a 5-point Game 2 win. The score was 121-116 to 116 over the New Orleans Pelicans. Curry shot 8-15 of 15 from the field, including a 5-10 of 10 from 3, and it's safe to say the Warriors would have been in trouble without such a strong showing. In Curry's 28 minutes off the bench, the defending champions outscored the Pelicans by a team-best 26 points, by comparison, the Warriors starting 5 posted a cumulative plus-minus of minus 17. It was hardly all bad for the Dubs' top unit, however. Draymond Green nearly rattled off his second straight triple-double with 20 points, 12 assists, and 9 rebounds, and he continued to operate as a, as a metronomic two-way presence to help the Dubs improve to 5-0 at home in the playoffs. Green also played the role of enforcer and tone setter when he engaged in a brief dust-up with Pelicans point guard Rajon Rondo before halftime. Quote, Draymond's just been phenomenal, phenomenal all playoffs. Warriors head coach Steve Kerr said after the game, according to the Athletics' Anthony Slater, he was saving himself. And then there was Kevin Durant. Though the 2017 Finals MVP was unchar uncharacteristically quiet with 14 points through the first three quarters, he turned it on late and burned the Pelicans for 15 in the final frame to finish with a game-high 29 points. That flip to switchability sent the Pelicans back to New Orleans facing a 2-0 deficit, and it highlighted the stark differences between the two sides. While the Pelicans put up a valiant fight behind quality efforts from Anthony Davis, 25 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, and Drew Holiday, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, and Rajon Rondo, 22 points, 12 assists, 7 rebounds, 5 steals, and even Nikola Mirotic, 18 points, 9 rebounds, it was clear they weren't equipped with the raw firepower to make the Warriors kind of, you know, sweat in the important in the important moments. Rather, New Orleans lingered within striking distance but never threatened. As a result, its hopes were dashed for good when Curry re-entered with 6.59 remaining in the fourth quarter and the finish line in sight. The Pelicans, now in a, in a precautious position, will try to avoid falling to an insurmountable hole when Game 3 tips off on a Friday night at Smoothie King Center, while the Warriors will try to improve to 19-1 against Western Conference playoff competition since Durant joined the team. So, you know, that's huge. So now, uh, covering the uh, Los Angeles sports teams, starting with the Dodgers. Man, they're on a losing streak. Uh, it looked like they would win today, but the Dodgers lost again by a score of 4-3 to today to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, Dodgers are still fourth in the National League West. Only, only one season removed from winning 104 games and, and um, winning the NL West and making the World Series and winning being one game away from uh, winning the World Series. The Dodgers now sit at 12-17. and 17. And the Diamondbacks improved to, to twenty-one and eight, but the season is still young, and uh, you know I have hoped that I have I hope I hope and I know that that the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs and make a, a nice run again, but it's it's looking pretty murky right now. I'm not going to lie. So uh, the Dodgers' next game is tomorrow at six forty p.m. against the Arizona Diamondbacks as well. It's a huge game. They need to win. Hyunjin Ryu is pitching. He's our only guy, our only pitcher that hasn't lost this year which is surprising considering that Clayton Kershaw is 0-4 uh, on the year. Who would have thought? Um, but it's, it's a must-win. And uh, currently taking a look at the standings, the Dodgers are um, two and a half games behind the San Francisco Giants for third place, and three, but only, and they're only three games behind the Colorado, Colorado Rockies for, for second place. 
and they're nine games behind the Arizona, Arizona Diamondbacks for first. But at the same time, they're only two games ahead of the San Diego Padres for fourth place. So, you know, after going on a, on a big winning streak, the Dodgers are three and seven in their last ten games, and they're on a four-game losing streak right now. So, that's um pretty unfortunate. But you know, it's all good. They'll be back. So now uh, covering the Los Angeles Angels, they won today by a score of three to two. So they improved to seventeen and twelve. They beat the Baltimore Orioles, who now fall to eight and twenty-one. You know, it could always be worse for the Dodgers. It could be like the Orioles and sitting at eight and twenty-one. Uh, taking a look at the Angels in the AL West, um, they are they are half a game behind the Seattle Mariners for second place and two games behind the Houston Astros for first place. The Angels' next game is tomorrow at 7.07 p.m. against the Baltimore Orioles once more. So that's that. Uh, and there's been rumors that, um, that the Dodgers might go after Manny Machado. Uh, I honestly don't know what to think of that because um, it's, it's obviously a great move. It gets people excited. You know, Manny Machado is a, a hell of a player. Great, short, great defensive shortstop, great, great hitter. But you know, I don't think I don't think it's been revealed or reported who the Orioles want in return. You know, what kind of prospects? You know, they want Cody Bellinger, Walker Bueller, Alex Verdugo. Those guys are just off limits. So I mean, yes, in, in a dream scenario, we would get Manny Machado and turn the whole season around, even though it's pretty early in the season. But you, you know, you don't know who Baltimore wants for. For, for uh, Machado, but um, that's that. So now switching gears to Major League Soccer, the LA Galaxy's next game is Saturday, May this Saturday, May fifth, at five thirty p.m. Pacific time, eight thirty Eastern against the Houston Dynamo. And the LAFC's next game is also on Saturday at one p.m. Pacific, four p.m. Eastern time, on against the FC Dallas. So that's that. And uh, now we're going to be we're going to be covering the NHL playoff results. Some some good games today. Uh, the Washington Capitals beat uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins by a score of four to three in a in a roller coaster game that I was watching that live. And the the Capitals now um, lead the series two to one, and they took a huge game in Pittsburgh. It was huge. And uh, in the other game, in Game Three of uh, of their respective series, the Winnipeg Jets beat the Nashville Predators by a score of seven to four. So the Jets now lead two one in the series. Uh, this game, the game was in Winnipeg, so they split the games in Nashville, and now Winnipeg has the advantage, looking to take a three one lead in Game Four. So that's all we have for episode number fifty six of Sean's Sports Show. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate the support. All of the other episodes are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play. So check those out. And uh, I appreciate the support. All feedback is appreciated. And I'll see you guys in the next one. I'll see you.